Welcome to Weather Hype, a podcast where we talk about weather, climate, and how it affects you. I'm Castle. And I'm Min. On this week's episode of Weather Hype, we are joined by Kyle Nelson, and we will find out what it takes to be a meteorologist for the Winter X Games. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear about that. I've uh, never seen the X Games in person, but I have seen it on TV, and it seems pretty rad, so I guess we'll learn more about it. <laughs> rad. Rad show. Now I'm the reason why you broke up with him and got back together Thought I was sunshine, but baby, I'm bad weather I'm off the Doppler in the five-day forecast By the time they hear me, I've already pushed the shore back No, no, I wasn't always like this Skies cleared soon as my daylight lit Sidewalks dried up, no snow emergency I could take you February and turn it into spring Get gone, I get gone, and I don't need anyone to know better. Put your faith to the On our second episode of National Weather Podcast Month, we are joined by Kyle Nelson, a meteorologist, professional ski patroller, and natural hazards educator. Welcome, Kyle. Hello, Kyle. Hey, Castle. Hey, man. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, it's always great to have guests, and uh, Kyle, we've been talking about this for a long, long time as well. Forever. Um, we had we had Dakota on last week, and then um, we've been uh, talking about getting you on here, so it's finally, finally good to, to put you on, and also for National Weather Podcast Month, which is perfect too. And uh, I met you in Colorado this past summer, actually, right? That's right, yeah. I think I was uh, down on the front range for some... Uh, Oh goodness, what was it? I think it was some uh, public information officer training, and we just happened to be in the same place. And it's uh, I think we actually connected on Twitter, if I remember. Yeah, right. weather Twitter is a uh, beautiful Unite. place where people come together. <laughs> and we took it a step further. Instead of just socializing over a social network, we started socializing in person. Um, we went to a brewery, I think, that one time that we met, and we also went to like a Asian Cajun restaurant, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we definitely did. That was a uh, that was a good evening, and it was really great to kind of bring things full circle from the connecting on social media to connecting in person. So let this be a lesson to all you listeners out there: don't be afraid to reach out. You never know uh, what good friends, colleagues, and future relationships you can build just by reaching out and making that connection. True that. So true. true. Wait, so Kyle, tell us a little bit about your uh, your background. You Where'd you go to school and um, how did you get into uh, mountain meteorology, which is some of the stuff we're talking about today? Oh, man. Well, my background is uh, kind of diverse, but it all started back uh, when I was growing up in uh, Wisconsin and in Michigan. And it started actually for me, my weather background with getting involved with the local Skywarn weather spotter program in Allegan County, Michigan. Uh, from there, uh, I progressed into the, the uh, radio amateur civil emergency services group there. So amateur radio and public safety communications in times of disaster and uh, kind of evolved from there. And uh, I finally uh, got involved with ski patrol during my uh, freshman year of undergrad at Central Michigan University, where I studied meteorology. And uh, while I was doing ski patrol there in Northern Michigan and going to school at the same time, I kind of I uh, got involved with this uh, kind of mountain travel rescue training and someone mentioned avalanche training. And I said, wait mm. a minute, you mean I can get paid to ski and blow <laughs> stuff up plus do weather and kind of snow science on the side? I was like, this is pretty cool. And that's what kind of flipped the switch for me looking at meteorology very broadly 
as, uh, and then I started kind of narrowing down a little bit. And so my focus turned from meteorology in the Midwest to the Rockies, but I stopped in Madison, Wisconsin on the way to do my master's in atmospheric science under uh, Steve Ackerman and Jeff Key, and finally made the move out to Aspen, Colorado, where I've been working as a uh, professional ski patroller and uh, mountain weather forecaster for about three years now. Wow, Very cool. that's excellent. Can you explain what a ski patroller is or what they do? Oh, of course. So a ski patroller, uh, when it, when you say that phrase, um, I'm sure you have an image that comes to mind. Everyone listening out there, <laughs> you know, don't, don't lie to yourself. You have an image that comes to mind. And it, of course, it depends on where you are uh, in your experiences and, and all that, where um, as a patroller, you know, in the Midwest, as a volunteer, uh, it's totally different from ski patrolling out here uh, in the big mountains of Colorado. And of course, in the Northeast as well. So not to degrade and, you know, to you know bash the volunteers by any means. Again, I was a volunteer patroller for six years, but then taking it to the level here out in Colorado, where we do everything from medical response uh, and treatment on the hill to guest relations and education to try and uh, mitigate or prevent injuries from occurring. Uh, which is our ideal situation, in addition to everything from uh, doing trail work, so cutting trees and things, to moving some snow around. We also do uh, snow safety and snow science, so that's avalanche-related things uh, in bounds of the ski resorts. And in addition to that, we are also uh, highly trained in uh, technical rescue, so everything from low-angle to high-angle rescue, including gondola and chairlift evacuation, and uh, that's actually a piece that's near and dear to my heart as I'm the uh, lift evacuation coordinator at Buttermilk Mountain in Aspen, Colorado. And to top that all off, uh, we also have kind of the emergency management or events piece of that as well with all the special events that come through uh, our ski resort in our town. Uh, we're in the midst of the uh, FIS uh, Men's World Championship, or excuse me, FIS World Ski Championships right now in Aspen this week. Incredible event. And we also host a uh, small event called the Winter X Games which Very brings small about, <laughs> uh, you know, s several, so yeah, cool. yeah, quote unquote, small event. I'm, I'm doing air quotes that you can't see. <laughs> Basically, it uh, we build a small city at the base of our resort to put on one of the most incredible shows that I've ever seen in my life. So many, many aspects to the job and, uh, you know, not so much just a glorified ski bum that found a way to get paid to <laughs> ski, but there's a lot of, uh, lots of training, lots of expertise and, uh, lots of experience behind this job as well. I have never skied before. Castle, have you ever done any like winter events like that before in your life? I have skied once in my life and it was not like a real ski. It was up in Gatlinburg. So it wasn't oh, yeah. professional or anything. I just kind of moved around a little <laughs> and then went ice skating after that. So, okay. Ice skating is, I've done ice skating before. That's more commonplace, but I'm a little ashamed to never have gotten a chance to, to yeah, snowboard to or Colorado to ski. so much. Well, I mean, I went in the winter or in the summer, so they don't really have that much going on when it's like, you know, in, in May or June, I guess. some. I mean, the winter season, when you guys get a lot of snow, Kyle, isn't that March and April that you guys get a lot of snow in Colorado? Uh, we can definitely get some uh, late season snowstorms coming through. Uh, we've been pretty dry so far, uh, February and into March here, but... Um, we're hoping for a pattern shift later on towards the end of March and into April. Uh, but, you know, we actually had a really, really good 
uh, snow year so far with December and January, right, yeah. we got absolutely hammered with snow. And so um, all the basins and things are filling up. But of course, there's uh, variability year to year and on the long term uh, global scale as well. And then with your responsibilities at the um, ski patroller and lift evacuation corner, you were mentioning that um, being a lift evacuation corner was kind of near and dear to your heart. Um, and I've seen some really cool pictures of you posting of you like high up um, doing some training. Can you go through some of what that training entails and, and also some of the concerns you have uh, on the weather side that make it more difficult either for you to rescue people or during the uh, training itself or also for um, the threats that maybe people like you face when they're trying to rescue people from those um, chairlifts and gondolas? Well, weather affects every aspect of what we do on ski patrol. Everything from our responses on the hill to uh, some of our decisions. So uh, whether folks are going to be able to hang around or have to be transported to a higher level of care. And if they are transported to that higher level of care, you know, will they be able to uh, get out uh, if the weather conditions allow, whether by ground or air ambulance? And uh, for me, though, as a lift evacuation coordinator, chairlifts are very susceptible to you know all kinds of weather. I mean, icing conditions, uh, high winds and things, uh, all affect chairlift uh, and lift operations mountain-wide. And where my concern comes in is if we do uh, end up having to conduct a lift evacuation, not only for the folks that are on the chair, because, you know, if you think about it, you know, a chairlift, you're sitting there and it's, you're, you're out, you're exposed on all, you know, all around you, 360 and, you know, all above and below. So very susceptible to uh, hypothermia and those cold weather hazards uh, and health effects, as well as uh, I'm also thinking about the the health and well-being of our rescuers out there who are uh, on the ground and up on the cable uh, conducting the lift evacuation. So it's you know many different factors uh, that go into uh, planning and, and conducting a lift evacuation. And so to do that, we actually use uh, two different methods here uh, within my resort that I work at. So we have one that's a ground-based method where we actually will put uh, the rope over the haul line of or the uh, cable that the chairs are attached to and get folks down that way with our patrollers standing on the ground, you know, giving directions uh, up to the folks in the chair. But my favorite method is called cable riding or uh, MARS, as it may be called. It's so Mobile Aerial Rapid Response System. And essentially what this is, if, if I can describe this and kind of put a picture in your mind, what we do is we actually uh, we climb the, the chairlift towers We'll uh, get out kind of onto where the shiv train is, where the cable passes over those little small wheels next to the chairlift towers, and we'll put a machine on the cable, which basically uh, allows us to essentially zip line from chair to chair and tower to tower, and That's we so will cool. set up our uh, our belay system uh, right in front of us, right over the cable, and we'll be looking down at you from above as we're hanging from the cable, belaying you down and you know getting you down safely. And then we move our machine and all of our safety equipment to the next uh, downhill side of the chair, zip line down to the next chair, and repeat the process until we have all folks safely evacuated. So a couple different methods, but again, all dependent on the weather conditions at play because uh, unfortunately, chairlifts don't often always break down during yeah. blue sky, sunny days. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That sounds so much fun, but I'm assuming that you're not scared of heights. Is that something safe to assume? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't want to say that I'm scared of heights. I, I'll say that I have a healthy respect mm. for heights. Because okay, okay. Uh, it, it is, it, don't get me wrong, it's a lot of fun and I love doing it, but uh, it's a very rigorous training program that we go through 
And there's many, many uh, ground-based trainings that we go through before we ever get up on the cable, even sure. from sure. year to year, season to season. And so even uh, myself and my other cable routers, we all refresh together to make sure that we're dialed in in case something should go wrong and having that base foundation of, uh, of safety training and uh, buddy rescue training in place mm -hmm. before we ever go up on the cable. Good. Hmm. And when was the last time that you or uh, the folks you know at uh, Buttermilk had to do one of these rescues for people that were stranded in the chairs or gondolas? Well, at Buttermilk, uh, we have uh, four chairlifts that operate. And uh, in December 2015, uh, we had a electrical issue occur with one of our chairlifts, and we actually uh, conducted a, a chairlift evacuation, you know, for real. So this, you know, totally not a drill, not something we were expecting uh, the week before Christmas, but it was, uh, we had about 80 people or 80 guests, excuse me, on the line wow. as we were uh, preparing wow, to evacuate the people. lift. And so uh, we followed our plan uh, that we had in place and that we had practiced and drilled on in years past. And even uh, actually each fall, we have an entire day refresher devoted specifically to chairlift evacuation practices. And we were able to safely get all those folks down off the chairlift and off the mountain and uh, rehabilitated and uh, kind of rehabbed uh, within about two and a half hours. So it was an incredible wow. operation and a great team wow. effort from uh, our crew and also patrollers from all the other mountains that came in to help us out. Uh, which evacuation method did you use for that particular event? We used a combination of both methods for that event. So both uh, we had teams that we put out both ground-based evacuation as well as our cable riding evacuation methods as well. So we want to do it again as safely, and but of course, uh, as quickly as possible as well. So um, we have that all pre-planned out. So each span or each space between two chairlift towers has a method that's assigned to it as the best method for evacuating that span based on any number of factors. It's great to see that the, the training that you guys went through is, was effectively, successfully implemented to save, uh, rescue all those uh, guests that you guys had. Um, and a little bit of what you talked about earlier with in terms of uh, emergency management and the responsibilities that you have, you touched a little bit on it with the X Games. So I wonder if you can go into a little bit about um, what your roles are for the X Games, because I think a lot of people are like, whoa, X Games, like that's really exciting. Um, and the different responsibilities that you have and concerns that you have, again, uh, attributed to the weather and what that could cause for uh, affecting the X Games itself. So the X Games, uh, for those that don't know, uh, let, let me let me paint a picture in your mind. So <laughs> uh, you see it on TV. And and so from, from the close-up uh, medical provider perspective, think of, uh, you know, you have, you're on the snow and these athletes are going down through these courses at anywhere from anywhere from 20 to 40 miles per hour. Let's say we have events like the super pipe where from the lip of the half pipe to the bottom of it is 22 feet and the athletes are going anywhere from 20 to 30 feet above the lip of that super pipe. So that's pretty big air right there. And so you have high potential for uh, very high impact injuries. So uh, not just from the medical side, uh, but we're also concerned about, again, wind and uh, all the other weather factors there as well, 
with, uh, if snow comes in, that affects the speed at which the athletes travel, which can affect, mm-hmm. you know, their, their tricks, their stunts, how the, how their equipment performs. And that could also potentially have detrimental effects if uh, the corrections are not made you know, for that equipment based on the conditions. So lots of factors that go into it, both on the, you know, the medical side and the weather side. But to talk briefly about my role in the X Games, I am the uh, Winter X Games coordinator uh, for Buttermilk Ski Patrol. And uh, Buttermilk hosts the Winter X Games we have for the past, I believe, 20, I want to say 25 years. I, I may not be exactly correct on that, but it's we've had it there for quite a while here in, at Buttermilk Resort in Aspen, Colorado. And uh, what my role is essentially is to liaise with or interact with the folks from both My Mountain Management as well as uh, ESPN and X Games uh, management on the corporate side and essentially make sure that we are communicating effectively and that we're meeting each other's needs. And Ski Patrol, well, we do have our the normal mountain operations going on because our mountain doesn't shut down just for X Games. We actually uh, will interface with the ESPN medical coordinator. And so they kind of oversee things on the larger scale, but Ski Patrol within the X Games venue is specifically assigned to athlete medical. That is, if an athlete would go down uh, during practice or competition on any of the courses that are running from snowmobile to big air, slope style, X course, uh, super pipe, whatever it may be, wherever it may be, we're going to be the first responders uh, there and we're going to be working with the athletic trainers and the other uh, medical staff to provide the best treatment possible for that athlete, as well as transport them on to uh, whichever destination we determine is best for their continued care. So uh, that's a little bit of my role there. And uh, kind of externally, I do a little bit there on the weather side as well and keeping tabs with things and uh, interfacing with our friends at the National Weather Service in Grand Junction, Colorado, who are providing Incident Decision Support Services or IDSS uh, for the Winter X Games event that is uh, managed now to take it to kind of a higher overarching level at the county level by our uh, county's incident management team. And so many different layers have to talk and to interact. And I'm kind of at the nexus and the center of that with regards specifically to ski patrol operations. Wow. Nice. That was a very great (laughs) summarization of of all that information. You mentioned earlier that uh, you guys, like the equipment that they use can be um, tweaked for for them to uh, perform effectively and and safely um, with the weather conditions. What kind of examples can you provide? So if it's like a really windy day or something like that and... In in 2016, you gave us a stat that uh, they had to cancel the Superpipe event, but then there were injuries on the Big Air event, uh, on the Big Air venue. So what kind of things can an athlete do with their equipment to make sure that they're they're safe from the uh, the weather conditions? Well, uh, the biggest thing with the weather conditions, um, our, our biggest challenge probably, excuse me, two biggest challenges, snow and high winds. High winds, you know, with, with the athletes doing aerial tricks and things, if they're blown off kind of the trajectory that they're, that they're used to, um, yeah. you know, if you think about it, uh, if you're thinking about the super pipe, you're trying to go vertical off of that, uh, off the wall of the pipe and come back down in the exact same spot or, you know, within, you know, a couple inches of it, but even, you know, just a couple inches one way or the other could mean landing on the flat deck of the super pipe yeah, or exactly where you should. To kind of relate it back to a previous event, if any of you remember the Indiana State Fair stage collapse, um, we are, ah, we yes. have scaffolding and things in place. 
at, at the base area and throughout the venues. We have uh, camera towers. We have the fly cams that are, you know, running on those zip lines uh, along the courses. And so those with all the, uh, the banners and things hanging from them are very susceptible to wind loading. And so that is uh, something that the staff for those venues are keeping tabs on with the uh, the winds and everything that we're measuring on site. And we may decide to, uh, we have canceled events previously just due to the danger to athletes or perhaps the uh, danger to spectators just because of uh, the engineering limits that we have for uh, the scaffolding and things uh, on site. Are there any other meteorologists on your team or are you kind of the sole person that provides that information? So within Buttermilk Ski Patrol, I am the only meteorologist uh, on staff. The other mountains have uh, their snow safety uh, technicians and coordinators on staff, uh, but to my knowledge, none of them are have any formal background in meteorology. The most incredible thing that I've witnessed out here in Colorado and and being able to experience and be a part of in my uh, working and shadowing with the other mountain uh, snow safety departments is that you know formal meteorology training is great, but the hands-on experience, the real-world experience getting, in this case, on the snow, into the snow, learning what it feels like under your skis and how that translates to what your snow profile is going to look like, you know, 10 centimeters, 20 centimeters below the surface and even below that. That real-world experience is absolutely invaluable. And while I can provide context and things, at least initially here in my uh, my learning and my getting hands-on experience in snow safety and snow science here in the mountains, you know, I have the formal background where I can understand it, but on the application side, I still have many, many years, and in fact, a lifetime ahead of me in learning, and it's really realizing it and being humble about that, that really has helped me to grow and not say, yes, I'm a meteorologist and I, I, I know this stuff, so you should listen to me. I also need to be able to step back and say, okay, let me work with the folks that have been doing this in the snow and on the snow for the past you know, 20, 30 years plus. They can describe it a lot better than I can, even with all my you know fancy weather terms and things. But at the same time, <laughs> You know, while I, I can throw those terms out, they can make it relatable to the public who's uh, entering that uh, that avalanche-prone terrain. And uh, again, we cycle back to the communications piece, which I know uh, both of you are huge proponents of, is being able yeah. to communicate complex topics like snow science to an audience and a, and a user group that just wants to know is this slope safe to ski on or is it not? Yeah, I think you you brought it all very well together. And it's so refreshing to see you as a meteorologist in training doing so many awesome things that were, you know, related to meteorology when you were in school, but you've gone above and beyond to, to find that connection and, and take something that you're extremely passionate about, you love to do, and spin it in a way. And I think, you know, sometimes people feel like it's a little bit difficult and there are only a certain few number of paths you can take um, after you graduate uh, with a meteorology degree. But this is a nice example, again, of, of seeing what you could really do if you just put your mind to combine your passions together and getting something, um, attaining something that maybe people never thought of as a traditional route. But then look at you, you're, you're doing some incredible things. And, you know, it's a lot of fun to, to hear you talk about it because it's, it's just something that, mm -hmm. you know, 
if someone has a passion, they love it and they're following it, it is a really good thing to, right. to see. Plus, you can just hear it in, when you talk about it. Well, thanks, and and I'm again, I'm, I'm very fortunate to uh, to be able to have these opportunities, and I I really want to stress to everyone out there listening on this podcast, uh, especially you know students and recent graduates uh, in meteorology or related fields, that I, I was told at one time by uh, I remember. I was told, okay, you're going to be a meteorologist. You have three choices. You can go into broadcast, you can go into academia and research, (laughs) or you can be like an applied forecaster in the National Weather Service or within a private meteorology uh, company of some kind. And I want to just tell folks that there's so much more out there. And I think you guys hit it on the head that if you, you know, follow your passions and your dreams, you can truly craft a, a, a job and really make something for yourself when you can combine these passions together and you know not only to to get a job but also then to be passionate in what you do and to want to share that and and to bring others in and bring others up to say that yes you know you don't have to follow those traditional paths take your your passions and combine them together and you know make a career for yourself define yourself and who you are and set yourself apart from the crowd and that's what it's ultimately about it sounds so cliche too right like follow your dreams <laughs> do what makes you happy <laughs> but it's so right, important I, I to do like that i feel like i'm giving like a uh, what like a like a high school graduation speech or something okay, right <laughs> yeah <laughs> something like that but but i mean just just take take you know don't take it just from me take it from the other uh, the fantastic guests that have been on this podcast and other weather podcasts uh, here during National Weather Podcast Month. It, it's There are so many possibilities, so many opportunities out there. Just be willing to go out on a limb because uh, when I moved out here to Aspen, I didn't have a job. I, I moved out to Aspen because I wanted to be here and I wanted to work here. And that passion uh, shined through uh, during my interviews, and ultimately, I was able to uh, secure that that entry level position. And uh, as opportunities became available, you know, taking advantage of them, stepping up, bringing in my background, and combining those passions, and moving forward. And it's been uh, a new challenge every day, uh, every season. And again, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. We should like cut sound bites from this interview and just like play like Kyle's motivational moment and then just play it on every like podcast episode and just have <laughs> yes. little things that are like, follow your dreams, you can do it. <laughs> but uh, but thanks, no, you're, you're, you're really speaking the truth and it's not easy. It's not like, we're not saying like, oh, follow your dreams as if like, if you follow them and you just do it, like it'll just magically happen for you. You have to work. It's not, it's not a walk in the park by any means, but if you have that drive, it makes it more easy to be able to follow your dreams. But um, you definitely have to put in effort. You can't just follow your dreams and just expect things to fall into your lap. That's not how it works. But um, there is a positive side of things that if you like what you're doing, it'll probably be a little bit more enjoyable than if you're absolutely hating what you're doing. Absolutely. I mean, we all have to go through uh, jobs and experiences that we may not be uh, exactly thrilled about. But in the end, we'll be better for it because we'll have a better idea of what we like and what we don't like. And uh, even in the midst of you know your miserable job or uh, experience, whatever it may be, uh, just you know try and find a positive, something tangible that you can take away from it to apply down the road. Uh, even if it's say a leadership position or a management position, and it's like, oh, you know, I, I don't want to really do this. Well, learn from the others, uh, other folks around you. And, you know, kind of take that 
and use it as fuel to continue to you know pursue what uh, your hopes and dreams are and kind of that ultimate career that you want. And the biggest piece of advice I can give and something that really was kind of thrown in my face because I, I got too narrowly focused at one time. I was so focused on snow science. I was, you know, I was told, hey, you got to take a step back and broaden out because yes, this is where you ultimately want to go, but maybe the path to get there isn't so linear. You have to be willing to take those little, those proverbial detours along the way, kind of stop and, you know, doing things here and there. I mean, coming out of, you know, grad school at, you know, University of Wisconsin-Madison with a master's in atmospheric science, people look at me, they're like, well, why, why are you a, a ski patroller out in Colorado? It's like, <laughs> well, I mean, the, the experiences I'm getting from this and just the absolute love for the job, that makes it worth it to me. And no, I didn't follow those traditional paths. But, you know, not to not to seem cocky or anything, but, you know, a couple of years now since I've graduated, who wants to come visit who? You know, do I want to come visit you and, you know, wherever you're living or do you want to come visit me in Aspen? You know, <laughs> I want to come visit you in Aspen. <laughs> true, can you save it? Can you get a ticket to the X Games next year? That'd be great. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> oh. X, X Games is a free event. You just got to get here. Oh, shoot. Can you pay for oh. my airplane ticket then? <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, hey, That's come on now, much. come on now. I thought you'd think a ticket was asking a lot. I mean, I'll, I'll be happy to get you a free ticket. That's no problem. <laughs> we could do an episode live from the X oh, Games. Oh, man, that'd be fun. Live <laughs> from the X Games, it's Min and Castle from Wuthering <laughs> From the top of the super pipe or something, or maybe, I don't know, maybe we can yeah. get you in the control tower. I don't know. Yes. X Games, if you're listening, Ooh. I'm just kidding. Behind the scenes. <laughs> Wait, so what's your favorite event from the X Games? My favorite event from the X Games uh, has to be the X Course. That one is uh, a course where uh, it runs uh, about a third of the way down our mountain uh, here at Buttermilk. And it, it starts and there's many different features, including rollers, bank turns, uh, gap jumps and other things. And it's a very highly technical course where at, at most they'll run six riders, uh, whether in skis or snowboards, uh, six riders across. And so there's a lot of jockeying for position. And it's one of the most uh, intense and fun events to watch. And that's why I like it is just because of, uh, you know, you're competing not just against the clock, but a little bit uh, against each other in each successive heat. Uh, second favorite, definitely the snowmobile venue. They actually brought in snow bikes this year. So take a dirt bike, take Ooh. the front wheel off, put a big fat ski on it, take the back wheel off and put a big track, like a tread on it. So like a timber sled huh. attachment, if you're familiar with that, you can Google it. These things are super cool. It started in the Midwest. X Games got a hold of the idea and they brought it out to Colorado and it was a huge hit this year. And wow. uh, you never know where the sport's going to go next. Yeah. Wow. I mean, when I'm wow. thinking about the X Games, I'm imagining something like the Winter Olympics-ish, but maybe the X Games are a little bit more extreme in terms of having more untraditional winter sports. Is that something that's true? Can be said maybe? Does the X stand for extreme? <laughs> no. uh, yeah, that's true. In, in, a, in, a way, okay. in a way, it does. But but uh, but no, to answer your question, though, a, a lot of the uh, athletes that are looking to get into the Olympics. So in the Olympics, a lot of the events that are you know in the Winter Olympics, at least have actually got their start at the Winter X Games. Okay. And that's where yeah. that's where a lot of this comes from. A lot of the, the new things that they're trying and trying to introduce into the sport uh, more and more, um, they, they start at Winter X Games. And you have athletes from around the world that are invited to this event 
to kind of show off and see what if they have what it takes. And you have folks that are here looking to see, hey, you know, is this person maybe Olympic material? How do they handle these competitions? And this is, of course, just one of many uh, around the world. X Games does a winter competition uh, in Oslo, Norway every year as well. So it's it's truly it's a global event. And uh, you never know, again, what you're going to see next. Uh, who knows? We, we could end up seeing uh, snowmobiles and snow bikes in the Olympics at one time. Um, is there anything else you want to add, uh, Kyle or Castle? Actually, I do have a question. Um, last year, our friend Ashley showed us some heat messaging and like uh, heat advisories and stuff in front of national parks, like when people are going into hike and stuff. Do you guys have anything like that for like wind chill days or frostbite or hypothermia days or anything like that? So with regards to uh, preparedness messaging on the ski mm-hmm. slopes, uh, we absolutely do have those things. Uh, because okay. ultimately, you know, we're, we're very customer service oriented, even though it's like, yes, you're, you know, you're ski patrollers and you do medical and this and that. At the end of the day, we want folks to have a good time on the hill. And if you're not having a good time, then you know, you're not going to want to come back. And it's just, it's just not as fun. You know, we love to meet people and we want folks to stay safe. So we always have the uh, preparedness messaging that goes out uh, in the morning when we open the mountain. Uh, our dispatcher, uh, I, I do the morning weather briefing in our morning meeting. And so our dispatcher can take that information and relay it out in their morning uh, opening message and safety message that we put in uh, as well. And so that allows the lift operators and other folks to update their whiteboards with uh, what the forecast is for the day, as well as any relevant safety messaging. Uh, you mentioned uh, that you know, you talked about heat preparedness messaging and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, of course, are focused more on our, our cold emergencies, but we also, uh, such as frostbite, things like that. And so we'll we'll let folks know, hey, this is, you know, what, you know, the wind speed is. This is what the, the wind chill is calculated to be. And that lets them know that, hey, they may want to dress up a little bit or, you know, perhaps go and purchase another article of, uh, of clothing to make sure that they're not going to get uh, frostbitten or anything. We're also letting folks know uh, as we get into the uh, spring months here and we get more of those blue sky days or even in the winter months as well, uh, in the midst of the season, we're always uh, talking about uh, sun safety because, you know, at, at, oh. at least for us, at the base of our mountain, we're at 7,800 feet. At the top of the mountain, mm-hmm. we're at 9,800 feet. At the top of Highlands Bowl, you're close to uh, probably right around 12,000 feet or so. So there's not a lot of atmosphere uh, left there yeah. to kind of uh, interact with and um, kind of scatter that the solar radiation. And so uh, you're not only getting it from above, you're getting it reflected from the snow up at you when you're on the chairlift, especially. Mm-hmm. I, uh, uh, you know, since we're uh, always love embarrassing stories, um, <laughs> I once, my first time ever skiing in Colorado, I'll never forget it. I had the worst chin strap mark tan ever. So like the rest <laughs> oh, of my face no. was tan, chin strap, totally white. And it's something now that I'll, Dang, I will never yeah. forget is to put on sunscreen. And that was on a cloudy day. And being from the Midwest, wow. I said, oh, well, come on. It's a cloudy day. How bad could it really be? Well, I found out the hard way. So, you know, learn from my mistakes. And I'm always a, a huge proponent of that. Learn from my mistakes. Don't make the same ones. So always be sure if you're coming into the mountains, even if it's cloudy, put that sunscreen on. We, again, we want to keep folks coming back. We want to keep them safe. And we want them to have a good time. And uh, the way that we do that is just being out there, being visible, and interacting with the guests. It's a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I guess it's that time in the show where we talk about our favorite song of the week. So, Min, Castle, what do you got for me? <laughs> Very well done. That was that was great. That was so perfect. <laughs> we need you as like a regular on this show too now. <laughs> hey, I'm available. Um, you and Dakota both. <laughs> I'm so good with intros. Um, well, I guess one day when uh, if I'm busy or if Castle's busy, we will definitely hit you up and then get you to co-host. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's like Regis and Kelly. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Wait, did you say Regis and Kelly? Yeah, it's just Kelly. No. Now, but... Well, it was M- Mike and Kelly, and I liked Mike more. Regis was just awkward, and then now it's just Kelly all by herself. It's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that doesn't answer your question. So let me get back to the question. Um. <laughs> My song of the week is How Far I'll Go um, by Alessia Cara. So we brought her up pretty often. Um, she's always been part she's of amazing. our song of the week thing. Um, and so funny story. I haven't even seen Moana, the movie, but I was at a Hawaiian restaurant in Augusta, Georgia this past weekend with my friends and eating Hawaiian food. And they were playing the, the movie Moana in the background. And... <laughs> I I'd heard the song a couple of times before, but I I kind of forgot about it because I haven't seen the movie. But when they they played the movie, I was I turned my back to the movie because I didn't want to see it because I didn't want any spoilers. But I heard the song because <laughs> you can't really like you know put in earplugs while you're eating at a restaurant. And that song came on, and I was like, oh, I forgot the song's really good. Ever since that moment, I have been obsessed with the song. Um, and it's just about you know. A girl finding her place and and living in a society on her island and breaking apart and doing what she wants instead of maybe what society dictates for her. So I, I not that I'm like empowered by the song, but I mean it's it's kind of empowering. But there's great melody and and great you know tunes to it. And Alessia Carr is highly highly talented. So um, I've been playing that song on repeat for the past uh, three or four days. Um, you can ask my roommate. I've been playing it in the shower like. <laughs> I only take really short showers, but I put the song on repeat, so it, it I play like twice while I'm showering or something. <laughs> but can um, you can you yeah. please go get him so we can ask him? <laughs> <laughs> you go, you, you guys go to song of the week. Let me go grab him real quick. All right, come here, Logan. All right, so you're gonna talk into this thing, okay? All right, so Logan, tell everybody how I've been oh, listening man. to Moana. Can you confirm <laughs> that this has been the case? Can you he confirm? Sings it in the shower. See. <laughs> <laughs> and I play it on repeat, right? Yes. See? All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank goodness we you had that leave. confirmation. Now the world knows. The world knows everything. Okay. Thank you. Bye. All right. You guys may continue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That was amazing. <laughs> hey, go ahead. Okay. So, as I was saying, my song of the week is pretty controversial this week. I have chosen a country song and this is very, very unlike me. Um, But it was on the uh, Spotify playlist called Pop Rising, which is an excellent playlist. You should definitely check it out if you like anything pop music. Um, But it's called Body Like a Back Road by Sam Hunt. And it's pretty much a very scandalous country song about how he (laughs) knows his woman very well and like all the curves in her body and um it's just a pretty it's it's like just a very classy song i don't it's hard to explain but it's like he's you said it's classy yeah you can just tell like he really likes his significant other oh okay i'll just put it like that and but i mean you can tell like he he's really in love with her that he would write this song for her it's kind of like an expression of how much she means to him which is nice you don't always hear that in pop music 
Yeah, that's true. Well, you're saying scandalous, and you said classy, so I like wasn't putting those well, two words together. I was like, what? well, I feel like it is like if you if you just heard the like the 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 chorus, it would be pretty like scandalous. But then if you listen to the whole song and understand like what he means by it, it's like classy. <laughs> I feel like I'm trying to sell this song. You're doing a pretty good job. I feel like we're trying to sell Disney movies and (laughs) Sam Hunt. Um, So, Kyle, who are you trying to sell today? Yeah. (laughs) Well, my favorite uh, song of the week here is uh, one from a group called No Copyright Sounds or NCS. They got a lot of great stuff on uh, their YouTube channel. One of their artists uh, that I recently discovered was Rob Gasser and his song Supersonic. Kind of starts out slow, uh, kind of. But it, mm. it ramps up pretty quick, and it's a good kind of pick-me-up song. Uh, I really like it, listening to it uh, in the morning on the way to work or as I'm uh, out doing my morning sweeps on the hill. Just, just get me fired up for the day, get my mind right so that uh, I'll be ready to uh, jump into whatever the day presents. So you were mentioning earlier no copyright um, songs or sound. What was it again? Sounds. Okay. And you, what was the premise behind that that channel you were, you were mentioning? Sure. So that channel, uh, it's their uh, no copyright sounds uh, on YouTube. You can find them there. They're on SoundCloud and all that as well. But uh, the premise behind it is that uh, artists or upcoming artists uh, can release uh, music through the not copyright sounds label and it's free to use. Uh, the only caveat that they ask for is that you acknowledge that the music uh, was you know hosted and was obtained through no copyright sounds. So lots of great artists out there, um, a whole variety of music genres. Uh, mostly kind of in the electronic, uh, uh, not so much uh, with the vocals. But uh, again, there's something out there for everybody. I discovered it about a year ago and I've really been addicted to it uh, ever since. A lot of great stuff nice. that's uh, filling up uh, filling up my music here on my iPhone. And it's uh, it's been a lot of fun listening to them. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check Man, that you've out. Been asking that, um, you've been asking for us to play the song so we can actually play this one. <laughs> oh my God, yes, that's so true. <laughs> you know how annoying I get when I'm like, oh, yeah. well, I wish we could play the song, but a copyright, we can't. Now we can. Awesome. Yeah. All right on. <laughs> we need everyone to choose non-copyright music from now on. It's That's like, our song of the week. It's like so our, we can actually roll. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, your song of the week, you have to choose one that we can actually play on this podcast unless you want to sponsor it. I mean, we could do that too, but uh, that's going to cost some money and we just don't have that right now, but we'll work on it. Awesome. Um, anything else you guys want to add? I don't think so. Oh, man, it's almost midnight over here. It's crazy. I know, it is. Yeah, you guys are, man, with this time change, it's just... <sighs> it's rough. Darn it, time change. Why? I know. Oh, <laughs> America could be a explained. whole podcast right there. It could be. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and they're dealing with that huge winter storm in the northeast and mid-Atlantic right now. So um, I know they're trending the models for, like, D.C. for a little bit less snow. And then I think... New York City proper, Philly proper, even in Boston, they're going to get a little bit more sleet and rain um, than it originally projected. So um, hopefully uh, they'll all fare pretty well up there, but up to like two, two and a half feet of snow in the uh, the Poconos and Adirondacks and some other areas too. I can't even imagine. Like I was going to say either. it's probably over my head, but I forgot that I'm actually like <laughs> way over two feet. So that's not true. <laughs> 
but I could imagine. Snow drifts, right? There you go. The wind's blowing, the snow's drifting. I'm sure it'll make these really tall peaks. But uh, if oh, you yeah. have friends up there or uh, if you guys are listening and you're up there, probably after the fact that the snow's yeah, already fallen, hopefully you are okay. <laughs> <laughs> just about a week. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, whatever. <laughs> hopefully you're okay. Um, okay. guess we're good. Yeah. I guess, do we wrap it up now? Yeah, I guess we can close it out. So I just wanted to add one more thing, and I wanted to to put this out there for uh, yeah. anyone listening to the podcast or any of your friends or uh, colleagues, fellow students, is that I want to uh, kind of put myself out there as a resource to you. I wanted to uh, really drive home the fact that uh, while I have an incredible, uh, really, really fun job out here in Aspen and also doing you know teaching and other things... I didn't get here uh, completely on my own. I had many mentors and other great people that believed in me, that encouraged me, and uh, that really kind of pushed me uh, to pursue my passions and my dreams. And I want to to share that and to pay it forward uh, by, again, putting myself out there as a resource for all of you. So if uh, you're looking for someone to bounce ideas off of, if you need a little bit of advice or some encouragement, I'm always here for you. I can uh, look me up on any of the uh, any of the social medias, uh, and we'll go over all that here directly. Yeah. So, Kyle, go ahead. What's your uh, Twitter handle where people can reach you at, or uh, an email address too that people can can uh, contact you? So, folks can find me on all the social medias under the handle WX Kyle Nelson. So, feel free to add me, follow me, link me, friend me, all that social media jazz to keep the conversation going here beyond what you've heard on the podcast. If there's something that interests you, perhaps a specific topic or a thing that I mentioned, always uh, happy to chat a little bit further and to have that follow-on conversation. Again, you never know who you're going to meet on the uh, in the Twitterverse or anywhere else on social media. So let's connect and keep the conversation going. Awesome. Thanks for that information. Thanks for uh, putting yourself out there as a, a credible resource for our listeners to to contact for more information. Um, and again, thank you for being on the show. Uh, I'm glad it worked out for you to be on here and some really fun, awesome information that uh, that you had and perspective you had too. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's It's been a pleasure. Uh, I've been listening to uh, you guys since you uh, kicked off the show and uh, it's yeah, been really fantastic. great to see it grow and and evolve as it goes on and looking forward to listening yes. for uh for quite a long time awesome yeah we really Thanks, appreciate buddy. it appreciate it so in wrapping up the show you can find us in a variety of places including facebook.com slash weatherhype or weatherhypepodcast.com you can also find us on twitter at weatherhype both words weather and hype or you can send us an email at weatherhype at gmail.com we love it when you leave reviews for us we've gotten a few new reviews recently and we love for you to add to the list of reviews so you can review us on itunes or your favorite android google um, app application for your ipod and your <laughs> podcast <laughs> i meant to say podcast because i'm saying app oh you know gosh. what i'm saying you get it yeah also if you are a listener from Podknife. We welcome you. They recently uh, added us to their perspective and different podcasts. So if you are a first-time listener, we are glad you are here. Appreciate it. Y'all rock, Podknife. And I guess this is our last episode of National Weather Podcast Month, so it's been a blast to be a part of it, and we look forward to what comes next. Yeah, it was it was great to be a part of this great initiative. Uh, it's the first one we've had, and I'm sure we'll have another one next year as well. 
Um, and I was saying earlier, it was cool to even listen to other weather podcasts that I'd never had a chance to listen to until uh, this month. So hopefully, you know, you'll hear us or maybe it's the first time you've been hearing us. Uh, share it with your friends. Let other people know about our podcast and other weather podcasts too. It's a really cool initiative that we're doing and uh, we hope to grow it and make it even better for next year. Sounds great. Until next time. Until next time. Stay hyped. Stay hyped. Um, let's just jump right into the <laughs> ending. So <laughs> I'm, I'm dead. I'm, so I'm holding exciting. on. Dude, I slept at That's... 10 yesterday in PM. Okay. Like I am exhausted right now, if, even though it makes no sense because with daylight savings time, like I would, you would think I'd sleep later. I actually slept a lot earlier than I normally do. You went to sleep at 10 PM. Yeah. Well, I woke up again at one. That's why I got your text. And I was like, what's he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I we was just talked so about the fact that last night. Yeah, you texted me at like uh eleven fifty and you're like, I'm so <laughs> tired, and then my body is thinks it's actually one PM and I was like, <laughs> Wait, no, because we went forward in time, which means your body should be thinking it's ten. It's 10. Not one, or yeah. <laughs> I was very confused. That was And strange. then I woke up and said the same thing. So Yeah, you're like, Yeah, but this is and you're like, wait, nope, ignore me. I'm wrong. I was, I was like, in the shower and I was like, wait, that made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay it happens